And welcome back to Civil Discourse. This is not a safe space. How you doing, partner? Oh, I'm doing great. Boy, are we going to be not safe today? <laughs> no, we're we're gonna we're gonna dive straight into the pile of steaming. You know what? Yeah. Um, and and frankly, I'm glad. It it it's it's a good thing to uh, rip off the the bandaid and maybe some of the scab with it. And let's see what's festering beneath. Mm. And I think. I think we found a, a particular topic on which to do that today. Oh, think? oh I think, I think, um, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, th- this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, you sent me the video right before we started, and and I watched it, and I said, yeah, th- I, I don't disagree with much much of what he's saying, but are you aware of this, that, and the other thing? And you said no. <laughs> and so anyway, I guess we should get to it. And 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 but but first, before we do, thank you everybody for for listening again. We appreciate. Yes, you. welcome. And and for, I think we owe an apology. We do. Honestly, actually, it's I me. Think we owe our listeners an apology. It's me. Uh, I I had to travel for work. Are you saying it's me, not you? It's me, not you. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to travel for work, and so we. And by the way, we actually had supper together, and I travel for work. And we just did not have time to uh, record because I was in one of those situations where it was uh, four hours of sleep and and, uh, 20 hours of work. And then by the time I got back to your place, I was exhausted uh, and then turned around and left the next morning. So I would I would like to think that our listeners and they're welcome to write in and tell me if, if, if I'm wrong here, but I would like to think that they might be willing to understand that you need to feed your family um, and, and, you know, pay your bills. And to do this, unfortunately, our podcast here has not quite brought in yet enough uh, revenue for us to just quit our work altogether, not, unless not you're yet. not telling me. Not yet. And in fact, it's probably the opposite. It's probably negative revenue. <laughs> so. At the moment, because uh, we're taking on uh, a little bit of uh, a staff, if you will. Right. And uh, we're, we're really trying to take things to the next level, as many have done before us, as many are, are, are still trying to do themselves. And there's a lot of work in it, and it takes a lot of time. And unfortunately, we still have lives. I, that's not unfortunate. I shouldn't say unfortunately. Well, we do have but, lives. Fortunately, we have yeah. lives. The funny thing is, I, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the media, and and I won't spend too long on this, but Stephen Crowder's fighting with some network about his podcast, and the numbers they're throwing around are just staggering to me, like $50 million this. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> what, is, what is this podcasting world of which we are not a part of? <laughs> <laughs> Well, after today, we may either jump ahead or be totally wiped off the uh, the face of the internet. I'm not sure. Well, t- tell me about this video you sent me, and how did you find it? And and, um, and and then I'll talk about the guy after you tell me that. So this is a video that's really sort of going viral, I think, at the moment. It uh, has been racing through the YouTube channels and whatnot. I honestly don't know if I found it on YouTube or it came through uh, one of the other social media links that I from time to time check in with. But Tom McDonald uh, is the gentleman's name. And he put as a promotion to an upcoming music video he's about, he's a musician. Um, he, he put a video out there uh, entitled My Generation Versus Your Generation. And his last comment on the video, which is I think a minute and 30 seconds or so, is that after he goes through this whole lineage of of items that he at least feels in a very black and white fashion, um, primary colors sort of explanation, that uh, m- your generation, quote unquote, 
let me rephrase that. His generation is going to love his new music video that's coming out this week or something. Right. Your generation, meaning the younger millennial woke generation, is going to lose their minds, basically. And I listened to it several times, and it was interesting as I was listening because some of his points, I was like, yeah, that kind of resonates. And some things I thought were there was more nuance there than than really was owed. And part of the reason not to just hit this video, but part of the reason I think it's interesting is because this in many ways is the type of discourse that we're hearing when talking about some of the current issues we're dealing with in our country. And the spirit, to some degree, may not necessarily reflect the reality of the examples being drawn out. And that's not in every degree either. So I thought it was interesting to use this not only for itself and sort of the response that a lot of people are having to it, but to also talk about the larger um, picture of how we are choosing to identify with uh, with the political and the generational elements um, that are going back and forth. So you're actually more familiar with Mr. McDonald than I am. I am. I, thought. I am. And, and I have a brother who just likes things that make people mad. And so he'll, he'll listen to anything on any side of the political spectrum and share it on social media because he enjoys provoking people. And he's thoughtful, so he's not doing it just to be mean, but he's very thoughtful. So he had shown me this guy uh, four years ago, did a video called White Boy, and basically talking about, you know, why I'm, a, why he's a hip hop guy, by the way, he's from Canada. Here's the interesting thing: thirty four years old, so he is a millennial. Uh, he's, and you know, the funny thing is, everybody thinks Canada; they think progressive left. Uh, that's true, probably in Toronto, and that's probably true generally in Vancouver, or, or at least in in uh, yeah, in Vancouver proper. But he's from Alberta. So he, he, he's about as country as, as, as it comes. Um, I think he's from Edmonton. So it's, it's a, it's a city, but it's not a large city. And, um, so, you know, the, the, well, it's worth giving the image if, if you're not familiar with him, by all means, you can look him up. Tom McDonald's his name, but I mean, this is, uh, you said 30, 34, 34, so, uh, <laughs> Caucasian man, blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, multiple piercings, nose, tattooed face, <laughs> tattoos everywhere, leather jacket, biker kind of look. Right. I can't from his picture make out what the ta- the the various uh, tattoos are about, but this is what I look at and I say, this guy's a rock guy. It's interesting you say hip hop. Did you say hip hop? Yeah, he's hip hop, but he's the new new metal style hip hop where it's a kind of the yeah like, like Public Enemy. Or, well, Public Enemy was the first to do it where they had a rock band playing the music while they they rapped over top of it. And so this guy is kind of, you know, the next generation of those guys. Uh, and by the way, I think he's classified by the um, some folks in the media, not all, but some folks in the media as alt-right, which I think is kind of funny because I don't think he really <laughs> portrays one side or the other. But, but you know, before we went on, I, I made the comment, this guy's a, a bit of a court jester. I think he's just saying things to provoke people. But but we can talk more about it as we listen, if if you'd like. Yeah. So uh, this is not his first video. Um, It's worth uh, noting that he has a series of videos out there, which, as you mentioned, using the term court gesture, I mean, it's clearly designed to be a bit inflammatory and get people talking. And that's okay. Um, Some folks are going to be offended, but hey, this is not a safe space. Um, And no place should be, really, as far as I'm concerned. So 
Um, I thought what we would do is just kind of go through this video and talk about the individual uh, moment and point, but also look at the larger picture and, uh, you know, maybe have an examination of where have we heard these arguments before Sure, and, and what that's about. So shall we get right into it? Yeah, let's, let's get into it. And while you're queuing up, I, I, I am finding it kind of interesting that a millennial is picking on millennials or is he picking on Z? And maybe we could discuss that more here in a moment. So go ahead. Okay, here we go. My generation got our driver's license at 14, had a job at 16, and moved out at 17. Your generation is still trying to define what a woman is and living in your parents' basement until you're 35. So. <laughs> well, that's a topic you and I have spoken about in the past. We, we yeah, know this is not new. Um, <laughs> Eight million young men living at home with their parents between the ages of 18 and 35. Yeah. Um Again, but 8 million does not indicate that's not not even close to being a majority of young men in the workforce. Um, you know, it's it's probably, a, a, I don't know, but but let's say 10, 15 percent. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I find that a little interesting. It's provo provocative, but but uh, not not news. Right. Well, I think the suggestion is that uh, the lack of initiative uh, early, you know, growing up and moving on somehow was something that was with our generation and not so much now. And I think there is an element of that. Socially, it's not as taboo to live at home um, as I think, you know, when you and I were growing up and <laughs> it's worth saying you and I are a different generation in, in, in and of ourselves. Or, or you're the tail end of... of X and I'm the yeah, front end probably. of X is probably the way to look at it. But but the, the idea of living at home with your parents was very much frowned upon socially. I to would, the, to I the would point say. when I was a kid at 16 and 17, you kind of whispered it. Well, I still live with my mom, <laughs> you know, in your high school and you're whispering it. So, so it's funny because I could not wait to get out of the house and it wasn't, it was, it was a rite of passage. I've right. moved out and I'm on the thing. And, and certainly, you know, it, it, part of a normal upbringing, I'm sorry to say, and, and and maybe I'm wrong about this, but it seems like it's not an unusual concept that there would be friction between a teenager and their parents to the degree that that's part of what motivates you to spread your wings and fly, as it were, um, as opposed to just move down to the basement. Uh, but I think there's more to that now. Yes, there are people who are just failing to to hit those initiatives, uh, within themselves, but there is a different economic reality now. And the social expectation has changed as well, but it is a lot harder based on salary to cost of living. It is a lot harder to afford your own place right now. I, it's funny you should say that, though. I was listening to a podcast this weekend with a couple of economists, and, and they've done some research on this. And um, they they looked at real income adjusted for inflation of 18 to 35 year olds in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. And the time where the gap happened between uh, 30, 18 to 35 and then 36 to 54, which is where they were breaking it down, that happened in the 70s where that gap increased significantly. It's, it's maintained since then. I, I would argue, and, and please email us and tell me how wrong I am, I would argue that what's changed is expectation. And so in my generation and, and probably yours, uh, unless you had worked really hard, um, you ended up with roommates and you ended up, you know, maybe sleeping on a, a, a less than optimal room. It could have been the laundry room, who knows, just to get out of the house. And I think now younger folks want more comfortable living. 
Well, I was just going to say, it, I, I, I'm not fully ready to buy the economic argument because it seems to me in my short lifetime, certain things have absolutely increased. Well, at college a, a education rate. has gotten incredibly expensive oh, to your there, point. There are a lot of, <laughs> of elements that just have not increased at the same rate. And so there's probably a deeper research to do there. Um, but as you were talking, I was about to say that I think that there's also been the the idea of being uncomfortable eating your ramen noodles and and living in a one room uh, situation. The the concept that you know my acting teachers out the very successful people still talked about living in an apartment in New York, sleeping on a mattress on the floor with mice running around. That's how they started out, right. and that's how everyone was starting out. So, and, and now, you know, we, New York, the concept of roommates still is not a, an unusual one, but parents, I think are a lot less okay with their kids living like that for a period of time. And conversely, a lot of young people are not willing to put themselves into uncomfortable situations, which by the way, is part of the motivation for, you know, pursuing success. I, don't I, I was that. chuckling as you were saying, I could hear my, my mom right now saying that Bill's character, go do it. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway. you, you know, ramen noodles actually aren't the horrible meal that a lot of people make them out to be, but I wouldn't want to do it seven nights a week. No, that's how you mix in the, the box macaroni and cheese, by the way. And, and <laughs> so that way you have variety in your diet and, and maybe, maybe if you're lucky, you can pull off a little spam. But, but anyway. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, when did you get your driver's license? Oh, it would have been the 70s. What, but, but what age? Uh, I think I got my learners at 15 and a half. So uh, probably a so year six, after that, probably a year after that, probably 16 and a half, 17. Yeah, right within your 16th year. Yeah. I, I think that uh, I could get my learner's permit in Massachusetts at 16. And if I took driver's ed, I could... Uh, get it at get my license at 16 and a half if i didn't i had to wait till 17 i think tom mcdonald though grew up in a farming community and, and you Which know is very different. yeah and a lot of those places they if, if you come from a farming community they exempt young folks so that they can drive because they're working on the farm and so yeah. when he says i got my license at 14 I don't think there are many people who are 34 years old who got their driver's license. No, that's, that's definitely not a, a usual thing. <laughs> and if they are um, there from Iowa or, or Nebraska, you know, states that have uh, serious farming agricultural communities. So I, I think he was being a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, individualistic. Yeah. Well, not just individualistic, <laughs> but I, I think he's using um, bombast to make a point. And exaggerating yeah. a bit, which I know there's a word for, and it's just not hitting my brain at the moment. So we'll find it as we go through the video here. Sure. Um, but sensational, maybe is. Yeah, is that's we're... probably a good word, but it wasn't the one I was thinking of. But anyway, it'll come to me in about. All right, chapter two here. Let's, <laughs> Let's see go. what else he's got. Okay. My generation grew up on uncensored everything. Your generation censors everything. Okay, before we go, that I think that one's interesting because, again, the my generation is kind of important. If you grew up in the fifties, there was a lot of censorship. Yep. Um, if you grew up in the seventies, maybe not so much, but there was still a different idea of what was socially acceptable on air in conversation in so polite society. Um, I would say in many ways, 
in, you know, and I'm going to counteract this in a moment, but in many ways, we are in one of the most uncensored generations right now. You can see almost anything on television in primetime. You can. You can hear almost any language on television in primetime. Um, you know, I'm going to, there's the, the B word, which we refer to as a female dog. Uh, I am shocked how much I hear that on, on regular primetime television now and referring to women. And that was a fully taboo curse word when I was, when I was a kid. Um, it just, you wouldn't hear that in polite society. What do you think? Oh, I, I, I think, um, all your points are valid. I think he's specifically talking about political speech. And now he doesn't say it, but I'm assuming he is because to your point, when it comes to the arts and, and uh, you know, I've never heard so many F-bombs in my life in, in no. standard media until probably the last 10 years. Uh, you know, the, the way we refer to one another, it, it, I'd not heard that. Um, well, let's talk about recent presidential cam uh, campaigns where the, there was language and innuendo and all kinds of stuff, not just from one particular candidate, but uh, certainly uh, maybe led um, and followed. Uh, and then in the subsequent discourse through pundits and whatnot, I, maybe we need to define what he means by censorship there. But certainly in a lot of elements, I think we have hit a, a degree of free for all that we've never seen before in the public discourse. That being said, the pullback on that, that can happen if you say something that's out, that, that then is deemed unwoke, out of line, whatever, you can be completely erased in your career and whatnot. So sometimes the consequences of this free-for-all speech that we seem to have found uh, are severe as well. It's not necessarily being censored, but you're getting an aftermath that I don't think we've seen before either. I, I, he has he has a point in that, and, and he has a point there. But uh, to argue we're, we're – and by the way, I, I just keep laughing every time he says my generation. I'm like, you are a millennial. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, but if millennials are in the early 80s, there's definitely a difference between – Early, early 80s millennial and 90s and in, in year millennials. I, I agree with that, but but it's still funny to me that he's saying it. And so yeah, I, he's not I, as old as, as the suggestion of his, right, his, right. Now, if he were if he were 10 years older, I'd say, yeah, he, he's got a legit point. Uh, you know, I, if you're talking about uh, John Smith comes in and, and he's transitioning and you call him, he they're going to cancel you. He's absolutely right. He, he is. I I. It's funny because I was looking at uh, some adjunct jobs here locally that I'm certainly qualified to go do. And, and I was like, do I really want to, you know, walk on eggshells? And yeah, I probably will. I probably will. I'll probably apply. But I, I think you didn't used to have to consider things like that. Uh, it wasn't controversial to say um, things of that nature. You know, boys should use the boys room and girls should use the girls room at the local elementary school. And again, I'm not talking any about adults. I'm just talking about children. I think in that regard, he has a point, but that's such a, a narrow well, that, segment. That's, and, and this is part of the reason I wanted to do this today, because so there, there's so many gradient levels of, of um, resonance that, again, he's not really trying to be that specific. He's trying to do what he's done, which is to get us to talk about it, and congratulations to him for it. But... Um, the problem is 
a lot of people will hear this and they're not going to take the time to think about it the way you and I are here today. They're, they're going to, and this is on both sides of the aisle and it's on a, n- a number of videos from both uh, uh, right and left perspectives. But I think there's just, I wonder sometimes is, are we doing more harm than good when we break things down to such black and white uh, primary color explanations. You know what I mean? No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and again, he's try, just trying to be provocative and, and I get it. And it worked by the way, it worked. Uh, oh, very much. So I, I, I understand that. And, and he is right that um, censorship is a two way street, by the way, if the right were in power in the media, they would be censoring the left. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, you and I've discussed this many times where I say, whatever you do to one side, the other side's going to do too. And so I think uh, you do have to be very cognizant that uh, maybe most of the media today is controlled by one party over the other. But if the other party were controlling it, nothing would be different. You know, anybody who's in power is going to censor the other side. And uh, we just have to accept that. Yeah, it's, it's, I think what's interesting about the word censorship is it has taken, you know, it's a form of censorship. Um, but the, what censorship in, in real time looks like is different. Censorship, when we think about it in the traditional sense, is you can't say that. It, it will not get aired. Right, right. Now you can say anything you want. Um, if we let you on our network at all, but you don't even need to, you can be on YouTube, you can be on Twitter, you can say all kinds of things with total uh, freedom, but not impunity. Right. There are repercussions that f- depend in, and, and it seems like this is one of the issues I've had with, with the left. The, the, the left is much more interested in uh, beating down on people's speech, freedom of speech than than the right is and even within their own group i mean i more and more people uh who are advocates and and soldiers for leftist ideals seem to be chopped down by the left for not being liberal enough not being woke enough but but i do you call that censorship or repercussion I, I think it's it's just wielding the battle repercussion. Now, the censorship we should be disturbed about with, with all his failings and, and misdirection, but Elon Musk has made very clear, is that these big companies, these big social media platforms are giving government agents access to their platform to delete posts. That's sen- that's true censorship. And, and maybe I haven't we, heard that. Yeah, he, he released that here a couple, three weeks ago where the FBI could go in and other government agencies could go in and actually delete posts in Twitter. And that's the censorship we should all be outraged about. If, if Mike pulls your, and by the way, this guy, Tom McDonald, I think it's funny. He's talking about that when his video went viral in the um, racist community, he was deleting comments to his videos that reflected that racist ideology. So Hmm. That sounds well, like censorship to me. There's, there's a level, <laughs> and, and you know, Elon Musk. While certainly what the example you just cited, if there's truth in that, then that I certainly would agree is a problem. However, there was a major controversy with the fact that when he took uh, took over Twitter, there were a number of people who had been uh, not advocates of him um, and outspoken against some of what he was saying or do that he did not want to then allow to be back on the Twitter. 
So in <laughs> one hand, here you are, you know, crying freedom of speech and that you're censoring that people are that you don't agree with or don't agree with you aren't going to be part of that. And that's just one of many people that can be called out as an example that there's a little bit of inconsistency. Well, it's hypocrisy for sure. The funny thing is, of course, Elon is from the left. He's just not left enough, apparently. So, well, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah we, there's probably another podcast in that. I mean, a lot of people remember Donald Trump started off on the left, too. Um, <laughs> and he certainly would not identify himself as such now. So people well, tend we're, to, we're going to do another podcast on that because I, I think that's funny because I still think people evolve. <laughs> I, I think, well, I think Donald Trump is still a left populist, but. Uh, anyway, we'll we'll save that discussion. Wow, let's I want to have that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's but talk anyhow, more back about to the video. this guy. <laughs> All, right. All right, so here we go. Um, censorship. Moving on. My generation shot guns, rode dirt bikes, and went camping for fun. Your generation stares at your phone all day and dances on the internet in your sister's underwear. Now, I really can't argue with that one. <laughs> no, I, I can't either. Now, that's not reflective of all kids in America. Of course not. Of and course. there are lots of parents. You know, we go back to your hometown of Bug Tussle. Uh, and by the way, folks, I'm just being funny. I love his hometown. No, that's actually the name of the town, Bug Tussle, Mass. Haven't you heard of it? <laughs> you know, we go back to Bug Tussle. Those kids are uh, shooting guns, riding dirt bikes, jumping in the creek. Uh, swimming in the lake and having a grand old time. This is not yeah, it's worth saying that, you know, I I'm people debate whether I'm the last of generation X or the start of millennial. I prefer to identify with the last of X, but um, I didn't shoot guns as a child, at least in my daily, when we'd go out to the farm in, in Indiana where the family was, we might pull out the, uh, the BB guns and shoot at the can or whatnot, but it wasn't part of my daily practice. Everything else he called out. Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. What 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 my childhood, uh, you know, between classes and on the weekends was about. My kids are are Tom McDonald's generation, and my kids grew up doing all that stuff. He's right, but but their kids are doing the same stuff. You know, it, it, it's truth. And and the little guy we have in our house will be swimming in the swimming hole and and probably shooting BB guns at the hill in a safe manner. And he'll probably be doing all that stuff, too, when he's older, uh, you know, not at two, but but when he's maybe eight, nine. I, I, I think it's crazy. Now, unsupervised? Heck no. But, but that's well, another conversation. So well, and, and we have talked about a little bit, you know, when when I was I mean, I could go play in the yard and stuff like that, but. I can't really remember when it was perfectly fine for me to go wander about the neighborhood. But at some point it was, you know, be home for supper. We'd be off and probably doing some things we wouldn't approve of as adults, but still nothing harmful and, and unsupervised. Absolutely. And I'm all for free range kids and that's another podcast, but, but he's right on this one. We, we can move on. We don't need to vehemently agree. Well, with I do him. want to share an example. So sure. um, yesterday I advanced another trip around the sun. Um, and uh, yeah, happy birthday, left. by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I, I received some interesting uh, birthday songs on, on the voicemail. Don't know what you're I'll talking say. about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I went out with, with my family uh, last night. And as we've mentioned many times, I have an eight year old son and it's at this point at the table with my sister and, and nephew and, uh, and my son on one side of the table and then my wife and I on the other. And, um, I, Alexander always brings something to the table and it is almost never, and I really mean that when I say it, almost never 
do we allow him to look at the phone or the iPad or the this or that? You know, he can color, he can bring a toy, he can bring a book. And last night he had a, a couple of books that he was uh, reading, like Lego Batman or something, you know, appropriate. And then he decided that the little stretchy straw was a source of vast entertainment and and worthy of of turning into some cannon fodder and sword play and as is his way with the playing of the item come the sound effects from his mouth and that can sometimes elevate in volume a little bit and at one point i looked over there and he was playing and doing just fine but the 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 sound effects were starting to become a little intrusive where there were other people at tables around us and so I, I almost, I was just about to say, Alexander, hold it down a little bit. And I may have even said that, you know, before I stopped myself. But as I was saying it, I was about to turn his attention to the child at the table next to us. And there was one on the other side as well, who was sitting there perfectly quiet, doing whatever they were doing and not, you know, making a bunch of racket. And I was about to say, Alexander, do you notice the kid over there who's not making all that noise? And, but before it came out of my mouth, thank goodness, I looked at the kid more carefully over there. And the reason he or she was so silent was because their face and attention was buried in a, in a device. Yep. And on the other side, it was exactly the same thing. Yep. So it was my kid who's sitting making some noise uh, of the children in the room, but he was playing with a straw and using his imagination and engaging uh, on, a, on a level. And I thought, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to scold him for this. this the, the, he have at it, kiddo. <laughs> my my and you prompted the thought, you know, I, I go into church. I go to church on Sundays. We walk into church with a two year old, not even two. He, he's one in whatever, 10 months. And we sit in the pew behind and, and the, the kid's not there, but we sit in the pew behind family with another kid there's no doubt and the reason why i know there's no doubt is they're coloring books and their snacks and mm -hmm. their and their book books and there's all kinds of stuff on the the shelf in the front of the pew and i'm like oh they must have a little one and in walks this 10 year old girl and, and i'm like so my son who's learning how to sit quietly is we have books in his diaper bag that we will pull out from time to time and let him look at but, but, you know, I want him to learn to sit quietly for, for a period of time. And, and we're not talking, I'm not Southern Baptist folks. We're not talking three hours. We're talking an hour. I'm Catholic. <laughs> so, you know, it, I, mean, I just want to, I, I just want to add to your story. My father grew up Southern Baptist and I can still remember him talking about the pre the preacher would not stop until someone fainted. I, that I, was I, the sign that he could wrap the sermon up. So by the end of the three hours or so, my my dad, who was a kid at the time, would be just praying somebody fall over. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, real quick aside, I, I remember hearing a preacher say, "Baby sermons are for baby Christians who should be fed with bottles," and 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 that was his way of saying it was going to be a long sermon. So anyway, my point my point being that you know right. It, you're right, you're right. We're using these diversions so kids don't kids don't have the discipline. Here's the funny mm -hmm. thing is we went to church yesterday uh, and uh, he sat the entire time. Now, was he an angel? No, no. He, he would occasionally talk. He would occasionally make a noise. He, he would occasionally want to jump down and run around, which we wouldn't let him do. But he's learning to sit still because he knows that's the expectation. And to your point, he's not buried in my phone or, or an iPad or a coloring book even. Uh, he, he's actually just sitting there and 
and boredom is the playground of imagination of course and people are so terrified that their child is going to be bored there's (laughs) nothing wrong with having to just sit there (laughs) well you know you know what he does is he plays with papa's beard and pretty soon i'm getting my chin tugged and and he's having a grand old time tugging on my beard so he, he he comes up with toys he does so Absolutely. anyway Straws, beards it's all the same <laughs> of kettle. course it is yeah. all right let's yeah. listen to the next one from right, here, here we go so so nothing wrong with uh with with playing in the mud riding bikes getting into trouble something wrong with staring at the machine and dancing around Amen. in your sister's underwear i guess <laughs> <laughs> haven't done that myself but <laughs> okay moving on my generation knew how to make decisions important ones your generation can't even decide which bathroom to use well, <laughs> uh, well, you know, that's that's been the complaint of every generation about the generation that comes after them. And, it's because of that music they're listening to. That yes, rock and, roll, and, and I've heard that, too. It's it's funny <laughs> that, you know, I, I, I will tell you, I, I remember I was a young guy when I, I was 17 when I joined the military and, and I was in a class probably a year or two after I joined. And um these guys, these older guys, senior, more senior enlisted guys come in and say, would everybody who's born 1960 or later stand up, please? And so we all stood up and they said, oh, you guys are so young. And uh, then they went on to proceed to talk about how we were indecisive, how we couldn't make decisions, how we couldn't do this, how we couldn't do that. And I chuckled because I said, I bet someone did that to you 20 years ago. And sure enough, now we're talking, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm a senior enlisted guy. And I remember when it hit me that guys who had been born in the eighties were in the military. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not going to do what those guys did. <laughs> and I just refused to do it because obviously if I remember it now, all these years later, it had an impact on me. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's falling into that trap where these young people, you know, kids, what's the matter with kids today from what was it? Bye bye birdie. Uh, why couldn't they be like we are perfect in every way? You weren't perfect either, pal. So. No, no. I mean, there's certainly that element. I think the examples he chooses to call out are interesting. Um, I, I, we could have a very large debate on what decisions his generation made. Um, I think that that's a conversation. You know, we heard this a lot, um, especially in the in the Trump campaign. This "Make America Great Again." the the conversations that came out of that about well which version of great america are we talking about for which group of people because it was never great for everybody it, it, the decisions in many ways yes we came out of world war ii with an incredible boom in industry and and inspiration towards moving in a, a social growth with uh, civil rights and all these other things it took time but you know it there were good things that happened and there were terrible things that happened and to just say that you know my generation made great decisions and yours can't decide which bathroom to use eh. it's 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 and it I do think bathroom conversation, by the way, is a bit ludicrous. It is. That's a different podcast, but there's that kind of talk, which I do hear a lot. Did you ever watch the newsroom, the Aaron Sorkin show? No, I did not. 
there there's a very famous opening uh, speech that's uh, that's made at a university where he talks about in in a moment of somewhat rage about how America used to do great big magnificent. I saw the speech. I didn't see the, the speech. Scene, yeah. <laughs> okay. And and we used to reach for the stars, and we used to condemn. You know, we used to praise ide- ideas and 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 intelligence and education, not condemn it, and all this other stuff. And m- Everything he called out was true, but that truth was also surrounded by a lot of other not so great things America used to be about too. And it, it's it's so interesting that we continue to have these arguments where we look so you know myopically at one aspect of stuff. Yes, people used to be willing to do a lot more in devotion to hard work and get up and go in, in positive elements that we can call out and recognize that same generation was also perfectly great with segregation and, 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 you know, women not having the right to vote and all kinds of other things with, yeah, that I could it, go there, down. There are no good old days. I find it, I find it intriguing. You know, I was watching a, this has been many years ago. I was watching a sitcom, uh, cable-based sitcom about a young guy, my generation, growing up in his late teens, and he's working at a country club, and he's helping the tennis pro at the country club. And this old guy, old guy being in his 50s at that time, says, what are you going to do? You're going to go to college? You're going to go to work? What are you going to do? And the kid says to this guy, old old guy in the pool, he says, I'm going to take a year and find myself. And the old guy turns to him and says, you know, I found myself. I went to Europe and killed Nazis. And, (laughs) you know, uh, and and I kind of chuckled because this is my generation getting attacked, much like Mr. McDonald does with the, I guess, I guess it's the Zers he's going after. Uh, This is the story every generation has about the one that comes next. I, I, I try to avoid those tropes. I really do. So. Well, it's it because it, it's true. Once you have gone to Europe and killed Nazis, certainly you come back with a different idea about who you are. I, I the question we'd probably you know avoid asking that gentleman when he says that to us is, did you volunteer or did they drag you there? They probably drug him most there. Most <laughs> people would not have chosen to go, uh, you know, give their lives. And that's even that statement is not true because a lot of people chose. But would they have preferred not to have a war to have to go fight for in the first place? Probably. No, but no, I I very rarely does a person who's served in combat wish they had more combat. Now, that's just I I know that's a generalization. You can come up with exceptions, but I think that, that that's true. And I think if that man had been challenged, would you have liked to have grown up that way? He probably would have answered differently. Um, Obviously, it was done for comedic effect. And I did laugh when he said it. But, oh, but, and the point is not lost. I mean, it's a very different approach to finding yourself. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, and, and we don't talk about the costs of war, and, and maybe we'll do that in another podcast. But uh, anyway, let's let's listen to okay, more of Mr. McDonald. Right Mr. McDonald. I guess we should start calling him Old McDonald, given his generation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, here we go. My generation wants the truth and the facts, no matter how uncomfortable they are. Your generation is so offended that the truth and the facts don't support whatever outlandish bull is floating around in your imagination that you've started labeling everything that you don't agree with as misinformation. Okay, so uh, that's a knife that cuts both ways. 
I, I, so my first reaction is my generation was only interested in the truth and the facts. Well, dull. Yeah, don't buy Every it. generation has had their version of the truth and the facts, uh, different approaches to defining them, but bull. <laughs> well, and, and you know, the funny thing is, is while, while Trump started the fake news thing, I hear fake news leap out of the mouths of people on both sides of the political aisle now. Well, now it's just, <laughs> it's, it's part of the zeitgeist. We, yeah. We, so you I know, jokingly it, use it all the time. <laughs> well, you and I have a great deal of fun with fake news. Oh, that's just fake news. <laughs> but, yeah. and, 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 you know, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's interesting again, that's a knife that cuts both ways. People don't ever want to hear things that don't confirm their own biases. Yeah. And I, I find it interesting. It's called propaganda. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and both sides engage in it or, or all sides engage and in it. And it's as old as humanity itself. Of course. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure that, that he speaks the truth, particularly not someone born in the 80s. I mean, mm. you know, uh, now the, the media was never great about talking about all issues i i think they injected less bias in it in the 70s and the 60s and the 50s uh to a degree but there were stories they did not cover and and after the vietnam debacle and yes it was a debacle they stopped showing combat soldiers and bodies coming back from wars for for so that people would stop resisting war well that, the, i mean the, historically there's a lot of uh, of literature has been written about how Vietnam was a huge shift in the understanding at home of what war was about, and the concept of protest against war hugely shifted because suddenly we were witnessing war in our living rooms in a way that had never happened historically before that. And now, you know that doesn't mean everybody was always for war in the first place, but there was a very large shift in the understanding of what was really going on because suddenly it was being pumped into our televisions at home. And you're right. That did have people sort of had to pause and say, what was, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, this yeah. It's, it's, perfect. I, now I've read studies where they talk about the fact that my generation, I'm pull um, Mr. McDonald here for a moment, grew up watching a war on TV. Mm -hmm. And we're the only generation that grew up watching a war on TV. Now, you did have the Sunday reels uh, with war footage uh, from World War, probably, probably World War One on. But, but you know, it was every night on the news. And, I, and I've, I've read uh, a peer-reviewed article on the, the impact it had on the children who grew up in the 60s and 70s, uh, particularly young children like I would have been at that time because I was, mm -hmm. you know, very, very... Uh, I wasn't really cognizant until much later in that war. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think there's some truth in that, but we don't want war on our TVs. We don't want our kids being uh, well, see, impacted this by is that. Interesting. Looking at the different generations, how we responded to news reporting and footage, especially wartime reporting, I think you have to also examine what were we used to seeing on the entertainment side of, of, of television and film as well, because it's a big difference when you're coming from the time of leave it to beaver or the Brady bunch. And then when those shows are off the air, the news comes on and we're seeing blood in the streets. That's a much different reaction than the period of time where Arnold Schwarzenegger is blowing people's heads off for entertainment and then the news comes on and blood is running in the streets. I'm guessing not the same level of reaction. 
that that culturally would have would have been the case and because of that you know we, we still saw war footage you know the gulf war and whatnot i it probably wasn't as explicit as what you guys were seeing because they hadn't done it before so they were probably showing everything when uh when you were seeing uh, uh vietnam being pumped into living rooms um but the Gulf War, you know, you'd have the specials and the 60 Minutes that would show, you know, a certain degree of reality. And you'd see shots of bombs going through the air and stuff blowing up. But it wasn't a lot of the hands-on human suffering that was being seen to the same degree. And again, for entertainment, we're watching gore and violence and bloodshed as a regular thing now in my generation. So I don't think it had the same effect. What do you think? I think you're right. I, I think we've been desensitized to it. The other thing is with the sanitized view of war we get now, it looks like a video game. Um, yes. And, and so we don't see the carnage of, of rockets uh, being launched into um, Lebanon. I, I'll just use that as an example. Uh, we don't see the end result of that. Uh, I think the first time uh, m- many Americans saw just utter brutality on the screen was the 9-11 2001 when we got the footage with the bodies laying in the rubble. Mm. But even then, a lot of that was censored out. Um, well, and, and I'm not even going to argue whether that was wrong or not. I think to, out of respect for the fallen, to some degree, I, I, I would not want my kids seeing my decapitated head on the ground. You know, I, that would bother me just as a, as a concept. But I do think it's important for people to understand the, the reality, some, whatever that line is you have to walk, um, there, there's, there's some, some balance. I don't know what it is. I don't know if anyone does. <laughs> Maybe no, I, I, I don't think we do. All right. Let's listen to more of, uh, old McDonald, old McDonald on his farm. Okay, here we go. My generation has two genders. Your generation has 89,347 and counting. This has been a big thing in the news and we haven't really talked about this. I honestly don't think I'm qualified to talk about it. But I will say as a parent, um, it is something that I give a lot of thought to. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I, I don't know what to say on this point, but I think there's a, there is something to be said about it. We, when we see how the conversation is really being affected in a lot of decisions in schools and, and workplaces and so forth. And even... I'm noticing, for example, the new Star Trek, we were just watching the Strange New Worlds. Okay. Which generally I like. I noticed that they specifically in the script, because Star Trek is always supposed to have been a a progressive uh, TV show about the advancement and growth of humanity. Well, that is manifesting itself in this particular iteration in ways subtle as saying crew person. We lost a crew person as opposed to crewman you would hear before crewman what's going on and it jumped off the screen at me when when i watched it yesterday that uh you know some part of the ship had gotten blasted by an alien or whatnot and the ensign reported to the captain we lost one crew person down there and i thought that's an interesting way this is filtered down into the zeitgeist what do you think oh it's it's funny because my son blasted through here last week uh for 24 hours and stopped and and spent an evening and and a morning with his dad and uh, my my son works in the trades, and um, 
he, he was talking about the changing of the name of manholes and, and <laughs> is this uh, like cockpits? <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm chuckling because he says they're supposed to call them service access or something like that. And he said, dad, you know, and, and my son is not some troglodyte. He, he's just not, uh, you know, and by the way, same age as old McDonald here. Yeah. And, uh, he, he said to me, he said, dad, I have worked in this business since I was 19 years old. You want to know how many women I've seen go down in there? <laughs> and, and I said, how many son? And he said, zero. <laughs> and, and now his, he, and he does have women who, who work in his shop. I think his point was that this is just silliness. Uh, and, you know, my mom always told me, and my mom would be, I think would be classified as a first wave feminist. My mom always said, um, this is a title, you know, chairman is a title. It's inclusive of both women and men. And she didn't want to get wrapped around the axle on terminology. She just wanted a chance to be the chairman. And so, uh, I, I always thought that was interesting. Now we say what chair, you don't even put the M A N at the end, but we say chair. I, I'm, I was, while you were telling me the story from, from Star Trek, I was wondering why they didn't just say we lost one crew. A member of the crew or something like that. Or a member of the crew. It would have been, it would have been the inclusive they want, but I, I found that, uh, interesting, you know, um, well, but the concept of, I would say the reason they said that was to purposefully change the verbiage. Um, and, and we, we've talked about what the meaning of verbiage is, um, I don't think we. Have I, think, I think it's applicable in this one. Yeah. I think it's applicable um, in this if, one. <laughs> for you, our listeners, if you've ever hear, heard the term, you know that we're going to read through the verbiage. Actually, go look up what verbiage is, and uh, I think you pointed this out to us the other day. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I I always chuckle when people use the word verbiage, but we'll, we'll let <laughs> we'll let our fine listeners discover what verbiage means. So. I think they very much did it on purpose to use that word to show that they were being inclusive. And it's interesting because I, I mentioned to you the other day uh, that, you know, the, the idea of why they no longer use the term cockpit as to where the pilots fly or, or, or operate the plane from. It's now the flight deck. Um, you know, we, we still from time to time say mankind and you'll hear people, you know, in, in, reflection of that refer to womankind but you know i'm sure it's not going to be long before we just call it humankind i I heard humankind in the 90s so it's around um this is a this is a a residual from you know the antiquated language which always was masculine first i mean that's just and that's not just english by the way you know a lot of the other languages uh at least uh, romance languages there's a masculine a feminine and in a lot of uh, german and i know uh neutral yeah the, the neutral. neuter what they call the neuter yeah. uh, uh pronouns and so forth but um this is an interesting one because we are hearing more and more as the conversation goes I, I don't want to judge it because I don't know that I, I can participate in the conversation to a level that I can, quote, judge it. But it does start to feel a little weird when we start talking about, when you start hearing people talking about how there are thousands of different genders and, and so forth. And I, I guess I'm enough of that generation that it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. All right, you're canceled. Well, that's okay. 
No, I, I, I by the way, I, I just, cancellation just fine for daring quick, to- quick aside. The word cockpit comes from boats. Coxon. Coxon is the guy who runs the boat. So the guy where, where the guy sits is a cockpit. Well, he has to be fired and immediately. Has has nothing to do with uh, with uh, uh, sex or, or gender. By the way, so- that though, things like that happen all the time where something that is, uh, you know, uh, I remember I was dating someone back in college and I used the term pussyfooting around. And she was mad as hell at me because what her misunderstanding of the term was some derogatory phrase about women or something. Well, no, it's, it's derogatory about kitty cats, yeah. about kitty cats <laughs> who used to be called pussy cats. But I guess you don't hear that too much anymore either. Um, anyhow, this one, I, I, you know, it just, I, I only just simply say interesting uh, point in the video. All right, let's listen to more of old McDonald. Here we go. My generation judges people on whether or not they're an asshole. Your generation judges people on race, weight, religion, sex, gender, financial standing, something that they tweeted 20 years ago in grade eight when they were drunk for the first time. Your generation cancels everything you don't agree with. My generation doesn't give a about the things we don't agree with. Okay. So, again, I'll just go ahead and say bull. Um, I'm sorry. We're going to have to beep that. <laughs> Well, he beeped it too. Uh, no generation has judged people only on whether or not they are an a-hole, as he puts it. Uh, every generation, as far as I'm a, uh, observed, uh, judges people on all sorts of things. There, uh, there was a mix, though, of truth and, and fiction in that one. And, and yeah. I was laughing as you were, and I'm still laughing because I'm like, wait, wait to mix it all up, dude. And that, <laughs> you can't say he's right and you can't say he's wrong because there were a couple in there that, that oh, were sure. true. But they're, they're uh, just more more uh, modern contextually. They're, there's still the substance and essence of, of the basis of judgment is the same as it's you know, we, we judge whoever we choose to choose to judge. <laughs> well, and, and yes, we, you know, prior generations judge people on weight, race, yeah. sex, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Politics, and to pretend, yeah, and to pretend they didn't, to pretend they didn't, it's just ludicrous. Now, if you want to talk about woke culture, Hey, I'm, I'm right there standing right there with you. Anything that shuts down speech, I, I'm going to be on the other side. I, I always say, you know, you look down the lines and you see people, uh, and you're on that side, you may want to re whatever the issue is, you may want to reevaluate what you stand on considering who's standing next to you or supporting you. But in this case, I don't think people, it's a left right thing to oppose woke culture. I think people on all sides are opposing it. And if he I, in many ways, that, in many ways, this concept of woke culture is just another platform by which we can judge people on. You know, and, and, and again, a lot of times the people being judged most harshly are people on the left for not being left enough, which is just sort of wild to me. But what would have been interesting, and again, it, it wouldn't have fit the nature of this video, but on this past week on Bill Maher, um, he talked about uh, an example that I had not heard of. And I, part of me was absolutely astounded to to hear this tale the other part was not surprised in the slightest and i don't remember as i'm sitting here the name of the professor but he was a professor of law at a prestigious university and in this assignment uh, or at least class discussion he was trying to prepare his students law students for what might be the realities of the courtroom today in conversations and um Again, I, I, I don't quote me on the exact story, but essentially he said 
for purely example, we have a workplace where a woman in that workplace or maybe a group of women are be over here or, or spoken directly to and referred to by a group of men using the female dog word. And I think he used two different words that are not uncommon in this kind of bad exchange. And he didn't even say them. He said the B word and maybe the N word as an example. And he said, you know, for the assignment, this is a real world thing that could happen. What do you go, go forward and, and, and come back tomorrow with your thoughts on how this conversation plays out, this argument plays out in a lawsuit, you know, in the courtroom when, you know, defamation or, you know, again, trying to prepare the students for a real world case that example in a, in a, a context that he wasn't calling anybody that he wasn't this and that he didn't even use the words. He's just trying to be a good teacher. And apparently a couple of students with their heads up there, you know what, as far as I'm concerned, uh, complained that they were offended that he would even allude to such words in the classroom. And he was made to take time off. He had, they made the man write papers with, uh, of self-evaluation and take courses on sensitivity training and all this other stuff. And I assume the man needed the job to pay his rent or something because I would have told them what they could do with their job. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's disturbing. And, and to your point, you know, I, I taught in the classroom for a decade. And, and if I saw there was an overriding opinion in the classroom amongst my students, and we're talking high schoolers, I would take the opposite opinions just to argue with them and make them think uh, in today's culture i'm not so sure that that you'd what you'd be perfectly comfortable doing that but then you know, how you, do you teach well how do you teach if i can't even use an example of real world issues i, I don't know how you teach <laughs> and this is the university level by the way this is not you know elementary school high school this is it's not even undergrad this is law school Right, right. These are people working on the Juris Doctorate degree. And I As find a citizen, that I'm concerned that one of his students that couldn't handle a word or, or the suggestion of the possibility of a word that I might have to use one of those people as a lawyer one day. I want to know who his students were so I make sure never to hire them. Yeah, amen, amen. I just, <laughs> I, I think it's stunning to think if we're living in such, such a, a world that uh, we don't think that there are people who use inappropriate words to describe other folks. Uh, and to allude that there are gets me canceled. We have an issue. And, and maybe that's what old McDonald's talking about, even though I think it time. is. And, 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 you know, his criticism of that kind of modernist leftist thinking, I, I, I fully agree with the idea that somehow his generation was, was maybe not that sensitive, but certainly what did not judge people, uh, and on anything other than whether they were a decent person or not, that I'm going to call bull on. But <laughs> Amen. And by the way, old McDonald, it's your generation perpetrating woke culture. So, because the next generation doesn't have the power to do it yet. Yet. Yes. I'm not saying they're not going to do it more, but not yet. <laughs> okay. So there we are moving right along. By the way, Mr. McDonald, feel free to uh, write our uh, podcast after this episode. And, and, and by, by the way, we, 
<laughs> we haven't disagreed with the things he's right about either. No, so. not at all. Not at all. Um, all right, moving right along here. Beat it, loser. My generation fights for the right to party. Your generation doesn't fight, doesn't like having rights, and doesn't like to party. What the f- is wrong with you guys? Any thoughts? <laughs> well, that was that was funny. You know, if you're going to do something crazy, you end with something funny. Pretty sure everybody likes to party at that age. Um, that well, just well okay, they- hang on a second. Let's let's keep listening because this is interesting. How he breaks this down. Listen, my generation is going to be able to handle the new music video that I'm dropping on Friday. Your generation is going to have a f-ing meltdown. Okay, I, I I thought he went into it. I couldn't remember, but he, uh, you know, this idea that your generation fights for nothing. I don't know. I, 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 I think that there is a degree of fighting that happens, but it's often for the wrong thing. Hence the professor, the good professor here at the law school. Um, it, the concept of how to fight with in organized ways with law behind you and, and, and reason and thought and, and good argument and discourse yeah, maybe not. Was his generation better? Probably not. And by the Probably way, not. was his generation the one fighting for the right to party? I thought that was more your generation. That was my generation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I think I think old McDonald he wants to be a part of my generation or our generation, um, and so he's 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 taking on the the Z persona. Or not to Z, Which, by the, the way, Gen it's X. perfectly fine for him to relate more and and to Gen X, to Gen, to X Gen X than than. Yeah. But regardless, it's sort of an interesting uh, juxtaposition he's taking there. Well, and I, I have a grand time reminding both my my older sons that they're part of the millennial generation, to which my oldest will flip me the bird every time I do it. Um, so so maybe he he's an old soul, as they say. Uh, you know, and, and of course, the purpose of this video is to promote the video that he's dropping on Friday and, and he's going to get a lot of clicks just because people are going to say, you don't tell me what to do. I'll watch your video. Mission accomplished. Uh, so. Well, now I'll admit I'm sort of interested to see what it's about, too. But I will say this. And again, I don't know him. I don't know his music. I now have been introduced to him and probably will check it out because I'm curious. But I think it is a fascinating point that he makes to close this, which is that my generation is going to love or at least be perfectly okay with the video I'm about to release. Yours is going to lose your, your mind over it. This idea that if a member of my quote unquote generation doesn't like this video, they just won't watch it. Um, your generation is going to, you know, try and cancel me over it. (laughs) You know? Well, well, listen. I'm not going to watch McDonald's video because it's not my my, my kind of music. I'm not a hip hop, not that kind of hip hop guy. Um, you know, if it were jazz hop, I I would listen. But but honestly, um, you know, he he's being provocative to to get clicks. It's all clickbait. He's he's oh, just sure. trying to get people to click in. Uh, is it an effective video? The fact that social media is even paying attention to it says it is. Um, Listen, you know, if you're getting your political thought from from hip hop and rock stars and and actors and comedians uh, and comedians, well, but comedians tend to be a little more learned than others. Uh, you know, I, I think of of the John, um, the Daily Show guy, John um, Stewart, Stewart, and those guys who are who are and, and Bill Maher, who started off as a comedian, they're a little different. But my point is, 
uh, and our, our buddy Dave Chappelle, who, who we both love. Uh, but really, when you're talking actors and hip-hop stars and rock stars and musicians, some are thoughtful, some aren't. Some have done the research, some don't. I mean, it's like any other group of people. I don't know McDonald's background. I don't know what, I, I mean, I know his, about his career, but I don't know if he's well-read and learned. Maybe, maybe not. And, and by the way, I don't equate college education to being learned. I'm saying well-read and self-taught even. I, I don't know. I think it's a good video to promote, a, a good good video to promote his music. Uh, got our attention, right? Work. Well, <laughs> And here again, it's it wasn't so much about, you know, whether the video itself and he himself, I mean, he's one person and he does have a platform um, or, or a microphone, I guess, as it were. But I do hear a lot of this type of argument framed this way, not just from him, but from a lot of perspectives. You know, when when I was a kid and, and, and again, that isn't new either, as we talked about today, you know, every generation feels a certain sense of of righteousness over the following, um, which is certainly upon deeper inspection, perhaps questionable. Um, I think there are certain social trends through the course of a society that you could argue maybe some elements are improving or not. But I think that his example is a good one for how you really can't allow yourself to look at things quite so black and white. You know, murder, bad. Killing for a righteous cause, maybe not so bad. So don't use the word interchangeably. It's right. not all murder. It's not all, you know, thoughtless killing. That's an extreme example. But, you know, as, as we often have said, the Bible doesn't say that thou shalt not kill. That's, it says thou shalt not murder. murder. There's a right. difference. And, you know, I, I, uh, I've said it a million times. If my wife and child's life is on the line, if I'm in a place to do something about it, to hell with the consequences. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would say that some people, maybe not. And th these many different things about judgment, about choice, you know, the ability to make choices, the way we entertain ourselves, the, the values we grew up with, all of this sort of stuff. Yes, there are as, as, as we said, there's truth and fiction in all of that. And, you know, we need to pause before just saying right on, there's maybe something more to really think about when we hear that kind of conversation on the street, forget about this video, but when we hear politicians talking about the good old days, when we hear our parents even talking about when I was, a, you know, pause and put some context into what's, what's flowing through the airwaves because Amen. it's not that black and white and clear and primary colored. To use it. I 100% agreement. I think we're going to end on that note. And so uh, I, I think there's nothing we can add. Um, so, hey, we have some folks to thank. And, and I'm going to just begin by thanking you. Uh, this was your topic. We, we ran on it. Hopefully, this all comes out because we had several uh, technical, technical difficulties. And hopefully, we don't have to record, re record. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to thank you for that. And thank you for your patience as I. Uh, and I'll tell you after we stop recording what the issue was. So, okay, we'll uh, but we have other folks to thank. Um, who else do we have to thank? Well, first of all, uh, you, our listeners, as always, again, we apologize. We've been off the air for a couple of weeks uh, as life and times have, have required, but we are back. We are in full effect. And um, we hope that you are well. And the new year, we're already into February. Good Lord uh is is off to the races for you and um 
thank you for 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 staying with us through that. And listen, have you seen this video? Do you know this artist? Do you are there other conversations you've witnessed and been part of, uh, or been you know had your skin crawl uh, hearing over, or are you in complete agreement with everything as as framed here? Let us know. We do genuinely want to hear from you. Civil discourse tnss at gmail.com and, and you know we won't cancel you if you you agree or disagree with this man we we don't do that here so we'll, we'll be happy to read your your opinions and uh share them and maybe so, and yeah i mean obviously we'll have to censor them if uh you use certain kinds of language but uh <laughs> we welcome as, you to as, as, as we're gonna have to censor my co-host <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> but again, civil discourse, T-N-S-S, for this is not a safe space at gmail.com. Um, we, uh, we must thank the Lazarus Trio, Carl Groves, and of course, my Koniger, my uh, co-host and, uh, and uh, composer and, and, and songwriter here, and, lyricist. And lever, and lever of terrible birthday song uh, messaging. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, marketing that one. Uh, it was pretty good. <laughs> Um, anyway. we, might, we might have to put that in there um but uh and and you my friend uh thank you thank you parker mcnerney um our co-engineer along with kisa Droyevi, who is uh, always there uh having our backs when it comes to the technology side of things which i think we're going to need help with this week all right well with that note i hope everyone is well and has a great rest of their week